get a notebook, get a get your phone, whatever. Find a place that's comfortable. I don't care how you sit, lay, whatever. And one of the prayers in Ephesians that we've been praying is that God, God would flood our eyes with light. Anytime you can't see what God has said, it's because you're in darkness. I'm going to give you a very practical example. Does anybody remember what it felt like when they first introduced multiplication to you? And it was all of those you were supposed to learn, you know, the ones was easy, the fives was easy, the tens was easy, but you had a lot of numbers you were supposed to learn, right? And you remember that kind of feeling you had like, I'm going to learn all of these. And then do you remember when the light came on and you went, ooh, four times six is 24 and six times four is 24. So I'm not learning a new one every time. I'm just seeing it as the opposite in another case. Then you got good and you went, wait, and 12 times two is 24, and two times 12 is 24, and three times eight is 24, and eight times three is 24, right? And what seemed foreign to you became illuminated, right? But the way that it became illuminated was meditation. When we were in school, you were supposed to work on your multiplications every day. You have a quiz in the morning, quiz in the evening. This week, we working on the sixes, right? So if you don't set apart your life to meditate on what God is saying, it always stays fuzzy. Now, you remember the place in learning multiplication? where you like thought you knew them as long as they didn't ask you too many you, you know that place right you know and then everybody had a couple that sticked them right I struggled with the eights I don't know why the eights were hard for me everyone said the nines was hard for it the, the nines made sense to me which also lets us know that our brain processes information because we don't all get stuck on the same ones so you have to get past the point that church or your devotional or prayer is the only time you can see what God has said. You have to meditate on it, roll it over on the inside of you. That scripture becomes alive to you so when the Bible says, by his stripes you're already healed and your body is coughing, you don't agree that you're not healed because you're coughing. You agree that you are healed and make your cough bow down. So I want you to sit and learn how to, because you know, I was talking to a friend the other day and she was saying one of the challenges in the church is that this, this may make some of y'all uncomfortable, but just stick all the way. You're so Jesus conscious that you've neglected the one thing that Jesus told you that you had to have to live in truth. Holy Spirit. Jesus never performed one miracle until the Holy Spirit 
descended on him like a dove. The Holy Spirit is the power source. If you go to Genesis 1, the Bible says the earth was dark and without void, and the Spirit hovered on the water. Then God spoke, and the Spirit moved. So the challenge for a lot of you is that you love Jesus, but you don't have intimacy with the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about whether you shaking and rolling on the floor. I'm talking about when you in Walmart and when that lady do something and he say, just walk away. Somebody said the other day, I saw this meme on Facebook. He says, do you need the Holy Spirit to go to heaven? They say, man, you need the Holy Spirit to go to Walmart. Now, I mean, it, I, I don't know if you need me to go to heaven, but you certainly need him to go to Walmart, to go to your job. Some of you are tormented in your life because you don't hear him. And even when, you know, the Bible says that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. But the Bible also says that the Holy Spirit is in you. And we have this thing in us that religion has done to us that whenever we're looking for God, we're looking up instead of in. But the Bible says that he dwells on the inside of us. So if you never become aware that he's there, that he's present to be your teacher. In 1 Corinthians, I believe it is the second chapter, the ninth verse, it says, he says, he want to show you some stuff your eyes haven't seen. He want to show you some stuff your ears haven't heard. He wants to show you some stuff that you couldn't even conceive in your imagination. He wants to show you some stuff you ain't even thought about because you never even thought it was on your radar. And most of us have built our lives based off what we could see in the natural, what we could hear in the natural, and what we could conceive in our own imagination. And I'm asking you, I'm going to tell you one more thing and then I'm going to give you the exercise. You know, the Bible says that when God created Adam in the garden, that he brought the animals, I believe it's in Genesis 2 or 3, he brought the animals to Adam to see what Adam would call them and whatever he called them it was there are still things showing up in your life waiting to see what you go call it and whatever you call it that's what it is and this makes people uncomfortable because religion has taught you that you are so unworthy, that you are so ratchet, that you are so undeserving, and that is so unbiblical. That's why people still pray dumb things. Yes, dumb things. I'm just a filthy rag. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says I have been made the righteousness of God in Christ. I was filthy. I ain't no more. But if you show up to God in this, I'm not good enough, filthy rag, not worthy, any kind of mentality, then not only can you not hear what the Father is saying, you will let life beat you to death because you don't think you're worthy. But the Bible says we are the righteousness of God. No, Pastor Edwin just said, know your status. Know your position. So I belong to God. God has given me authority to speak to everything in the earth that pertains to me. I ain't got the right to come on your life and decide what your life go be. But I got the right to speak over my life. 
I got the right to say I'll be satisfied with long life. And then people go, well, you don't know if you can say that. Well, I read the Bible and it says if you please and you will live 70 years and if you, and if you do more, meaning walk in faith, you can live beyond that. So I ain't dying before I'm 70. You don't have the right to say that. Is that what the Bible says? And the challenge is, is that when you have religion, which is really just a demonic system of fear running in your hard drive, when the truth of God's word shows up, you'll reject it. Me and Pastor Ann were talking about this the other day. People still fighting about tongues. What a stupid thing to be fighting about, praying in tongues. Because if you don't believe that God could give you a language that you don't know, then you made God like you. So God can't give you a language that you don't know because God wouldn't do that. Oh, you just dumb it down and made God like you. Oh, I don't believe people could be resurrected from the dead. Oh, you made God like you. I don't believe in supernatural debt release. You made God like you. And if you read in Psalms, the Bible says that, G, that God was offended with the children of Israel because they kept trying to bring him down to their size. He says that's what made him mad about them. They kept judging what he could do based on what they could do instead of upgrading what they could do based on what he said. So we got to enter into this space where we're like, God, what do you want to do in our life? God, what do you want to do? So that's why I'm asking you, take your notebook out, take your paper out. I'm going to give you a couple steps at the end, but take your notebook out. God, what do you want to do in my life? God, what do you want to do with my health? Some of you are like, I'm skinny, I don't need to lose weight. That don't mean you ain't, you ain't good health. So what does God want to do in your health? What does God want to do in your mindset? you like, I heard something come up. That's probably it. We'll take this one corporately right here. What does God want to do with your attitude? I, I assure you whatever you came up first was the Lord. Because the devil did not tell you he wants you to have a better attitude. God, what do you want to do in my attitude? Some of you don't have a bad attitude outwardly, but you got a victim mentality. And every time something happens to you, you become, woe is me, whole world against me, don't nobody love me. God, like, can we wrap that up? I already proved I love you. God, what do you want to do in my family? It may be a sibling that God is like, I need you to spend more time with them. I need you to call them more, check on them. God, what do you want to do in my job? I hear him saying for some of you, I just want you to act like you know me at work. I just want you to act like you know me. I want you to stop stealing time. No, no, really. I want you to stop stealing time. You're praying for a promotion, but it's hard for me to promote you because you steal every day.
want you to quit participating in workplace gossip. People's nodding their hands like, did you tell her that about me? No, I'm just saying the stuff that comes up. If it's you, do better. Stop participating in workplace gossip. Be light. Some of you may be on the other side at church, I mean, at work, you might actually need to use real language, not church language, because don't nobody understand what you're saying when you're saying all that. You know, so in the morning when somebody says good morning, you say blessed and highly favored, filled with the Holy Ghost, back to, hey, they don't know what that means. I'm great. I'm wonderful. How are you? How do I need to act? God, how do you want to deal with how I commute to work? How do I act on the commute to work? The commute home from work. How do I, God, what do you want to do in me when things don't go my way? Because the truth of you, truth of it is, some of you will whoop your kids for how you act when things don't go your way. If your kids acted like that, you would whoop them. And you don't even understand that your kids act like that because they see you acting like that. How do you act when things don't go your way? I mean, you don't stomp, but you do slam stuff. And then you do pick your kids up hollering at them and they don't even know what they did. And you do get mad because they don't know how to do their homework and you mad because you don't know how to do it either. So then you parenting them by hollering louder. What's three plus three? What's three plus three? Don't make me ask you again. I know you know what three plus three is. Because I want my kids to really love Jesus, but if they see me blessed and highly favored in church and cussing and acting a fool at home, they think this again. When Kristen called, it's like, hey, how you doing, girl? Bless, holly favorite. Hang up the phone. Kids ask you for some pencils. Why you ain't got no pencils? Though you may not think those things matter, but God wants to deal with all of those things. You know what else God likes to deal with? Why you late? Why you late? Why you ain't never on time for nothing? Tay came over to the house the other day and she was talking about it. It was so funny because Tay and Edwin and Jordan, well, all my kids really except for me, everybody in my family except for me is really timely, right? And Tay comes in the room and she's going on this whole rant about how important it is to be timely, how much it matters, how disrespectful it is. And I just am like, dang, okay, I'll do better, dog. I mean, hey. She was like, I didn't even know that was your issue, but since we talking about it. <laughs> so what does God want to do in that? Because you may not think that timeliness is a big deal, but, a, but learning how to hear God and show up where he tells you to show up when he tells you to show up can make the difference in an open door and a closed door. You always running 10 minutes late. The person you were supposed to meet was there five minutes early. What does God want to do in your finances? How does God want to increase you? How does God want to stretch you? How does God want to grow you? Because I think it's so important for you to understand that you don't have an area of your life that God has left to chance. 
You do not have one area of your life that God has left a chance. You don't have to try to figure out how to parent each one of your kids. He will tell you how to parent each one of your kids. You do not have to try to figure out how to handle the people at your job. He will tell you how to handle the people at your job. When you go to the doctor, he will tell you whether you should take that medicine or not. There is not an area of your life that God has not left, that God has left a chance. You're not out here trying to figure it out by yourself. So maybe you have a dream or something. God, what's my next step in this? Because I was thinking about this. There, um, a couple of weeks ago, we heard a preacher preaching. She was talking about the 10 lepers, and they said, or the 12 lepers, however many it was. And he says they were healed as they went, right? 10, it was 10. They were healed as they went. There are some things in your life that don't get healed till you go. There are some things in your life that don't get healed until you go. And you've been in places where God has been giving you simple instruction, but you won't take the simple instruction because you don't see what the next is. And because you won't take the simple instruction, you're missing the healing as you go. Lepers just meant that they had, um, they had a condition that made them unacceptable to society. Well, a lot of the leprosy we have is kingdom leprosy. It's leprosy. You don't look like what the kingdom says you should look like. And God is like, if you take this step, I'll get you there. If you take this step, I'll get you there. If you take this step, I'll get you there. So what's the next step? God may be saying, go back to school. I don't have the money to go back to school. Do you have the ability to enroll? Do you do, do what you can do and let the Lord do what you can't do? But you can't even see what the Lord go do because you won't take a step. You know, for years, everybody knows this, who's a partner here, but for years, Pastor Ellen has used his faith to keep jobs that don't make him have to move away. And the Lord would have him write down what he needed in a job. He would write it down. And literally, my, one of my favorite stories of this is a company that was created, placed in Arkansas, that had never been in Arkansas before, stayed the whole time he worked there. When he left the job, within six months, the company had moved out of Arkansas. You don't think God does stuff like that for his kids? He will turn rules in, in your favor, but you didn't even apply, so you can't get a rule changed. So what does God want to do next? Next. Does anybody have any answers? I'm not going to ask you to share because people get nervous. This ain't school like that. Anybody have any answers that you like? Oh, I got some clarity. I got some things that I need to do. I love that. I love seeing hands going up. I got some answers. God wants to speak to you. He wants to tell you. Like God is into every detail. Like I tell the single people this all the time. Man, listen, I ain't got nothing against apps. You could find love on an app. I ain't got nothing against that. But you know what you could do while you swiping? You could be like, is that it? He'd be like, no, swipe. What about him? Swipe. What about him? You can go to dinner with him. I'm going to apply for <laughs> dinner. <laughs> dinner, right. Chris said just dinner. He didn't say move in with him. Start writing his name and your name in hearts. Putting, creating a Pinterest wedding plan. 
Din Chris said dinner, not at midnight dinner, like seven o'clock, busy crowd, dinner, right? Now listen, people are like, why do you talk about stuff like this in church? Because this is real stuff that people deal with in their life. Who in here needs a new job? You need a new job because you just always taking a new job. Come here. Tell all these people how to get a new job. No, no, I'm not praying for you. Tell all these people how to get a new job. You have to apply. No, come back. Tell them how you apply. No, you're doing great. Come on. You make me do stuff all the time. All right. You have to look and apply and believe you receive when you apply. But you gotta look. You gotta look. I have a time on my schedule, right? I have a certain number of hours in a day. I have a good job, a really good job, and I, I enjoy it. It's not my final one, though. So I have a time in my schedule every day that I look for jobs. It may be 30 minutes, it may be 45 minutes, depending on that day. And I may not find anything, but I make sure I know what's out there in my field. You gotta know what's out there. If you don't know what's out there and you're just hoping, all you're doing is hoping. But you got to look. And then you got to know what you're looking for. And then you can't limit yourself, right? Because just because it says you got to have 10 years and you ain't got but six, don't let that stop you. Those are, those are parameters that people use when they put job descriptions together. But a human being is making that decision. And if God can change the heart of Pharaoh, he can change the heart of an HR director. And so just remember that. No, I think that's a good point. That really resonated. I saw people nod their heads. No, I'm just trying, because Jesus came that you might live your whole life. And if you saved, you already going to heaven. So I'm trying to help you get the rest of your life saved. Get the rest of your life to look like Jesus. Right? So if you're believing God for a job, apply. I read the other day that when it comes to applying for jobs, that women typically will not apply for a job unless they can check everything in the qualification and that men apply for jobs if they got about 50% of it. Men like, if we got 50%, if we get an interview, we can get the rest of this thing. So some of you literally are under, you're, you're, you're missing out on the marketplace because you're looking at the job thing and you're saying, I don't have all of these. You got seven out of 10. Apply for the dang job already. See? Say it again. I said, people hire people they like. They have to train you for the job anyway. People hire people they like. So be likable. That's why you shouldn't act crazy on this job that you got right now, because you don't know who they might call. They like, do not hire her. She is a nut in the mornings. So think about what God desires to do in your life. And then I am just going to give you... Um, two scriptures and we're going to go. All right? Because the word will speak to you if you let it. You have to participate in your own rescue. When Jesus told the lepers to go, that was how they participated. They couldn't heal themselves, but they could go. How many of you got some things in your life that God is talking to you a lot about doing, but you still haven't done it? Look at these hands all over. The, look, turn around and look. You're not by yourself. Y'all keep your hands up while you turn. Look at all of these people here who God is giving you an instruction. And I ain't going to even call out the parents in here who will whoop their kids if they had told them this many times to do something and they hadn't done it. <laughs> 
Y'all know who y'all are. So God is telling you to do things and you're not doing them, but you're praying for next and you're praying for best. But you're not doing next. You got to do next to get the best. Tell your neighbor, say, will you just please do what's next? Will you just please do what's next? I'm like, Paul, I beseech you. Would you just do what's next? You know, I've been talking a lot about this thing um, about being fierce, which is really about stepping into the power that God has given you. And fierce for, is not just for women, but it is it's for people who are believers. Like, when you're not obeying God, you can't possibly be as fierce as you were created to be because you're limiting yourself in ways that God never limited you. And so I was thinking about this the other day and I was saying how like I am learning so much about how God puts the pieces as we go. That just like in school, when you go to kindergarten, they don't start teaching you algebra, calculus. They build a foundation and if you stay on track with the foundation, then you get to the place where you can do algebra and trig and geometry and cal. I quit before cal. I was like, that ain't my thing. I, don't, I just need to be able to add money for my life. So, but you think about that. So God is the same way. God is like, do this. When you get here, do this. When you get here, do that. So I want to look at um, Genesis 26. And about how you're going to get your best life. Are y'all learning anything from this? I want to challenge you every day to just sit down and take a few minutes. All right, God, what do you want to do today? God, what do you want to do today? You're trying to live off your own intellect and your smartness. And you're smart, but you're not that smart. And I'm not trying to minimize your smartness. I'm just saying, you're not that smart. God, what do you want to do today? So in Genesis 26, this is actually one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. So as we go there, I want to tell you the story. So years ago, I was thinking about this. The Lord gave me this idea to have a workshop. And the workshop was called Conquer Your Fear. And I had about 25 people in the workshop. And when I did the workshop, I just had an idea to do a workshop. That was it. When I was sitting in the workshop, the feedback that they gave me, birth, live your dreams, which really became the thing that my whole coaching program was built on. I built live your dreams. I did live your dreams for years. And then I built, I birthed this thing called Black Women Build Wealth because I saw the systematic discrepancies between black women and white women as it was regarding to wage and income. I mean, wage and wealth. Black Women Build Wealth built Soul Shift because what I found out is that a lot of the reasons that black women were stuck in their money is because they were stuck in their money thoughts. And you can give a person a budget, but if they don't think they deserve money, they gonna find a way to spend it. And in truth, that's the reason that a lot of your budgets have never worked. It's not because you're a bad man money manager. It's because you got some junk in your soul. And the junk in your soul is the loudest voice to you. If you don't believe that you have a right to have money, you will find a way to get rid of the money as soon as you have more than you think you have a right to. So that's how Soul Shift came to be. And then in Soul Shift, 
I was doing Soul Shift, and then Soul Shift, I thought, there's got to be a way to put all of these together. And Fierce came. And as I started writing out the Fierce Code, I'm realizing that the Fierce Code has a piece of conquer your fear and a piece of live your dreams and a piece of black women build wealth and a piece of soul shift. But in reality, if he had told me I was going to Fierce Code, I wouldn't have known how to get there. I learned the destination as I took the journey. I'm trying to tell you that there are things in your life that you're waiting until you get all the pieces. You're never going to get there unless you take the journey. Standing over here, it makes so much sense. But I can remember when God was like, do a workshop called Conquer Your Fear. I was like, why? Just conquer your fear. He's like, no, that's not how this works, right? But you know this is not true. If you know it's true, if you're afraid of anything, you know that you don't just will yourself into not being afraid. You have to dismantle the thing that you're afraid of. Right? So I'm saying that to say to you, I'm just trying to get you to understand that if you're going to get your best, you've got, if you're going to get your best, you've got to do more than pray. Please write that down. I know you can't lie. Did a pastor tell us we got to do more than pray? Yes, you got to do more than pray. You got to do more than come to church. And you got to do more than use spiritual expressions to, to, to ignore doing work. So here's what I mean. If God told you to design a t-shirt, you can't insert a praise break. The praise break don't design the t-shirt. You got to design the t-shirt, then you can do the praise break. And sometimes people who've been in church a lot, we use a lot of things. Two things, people who've been in church a lot and people who've been in school a lot. People in church use churchy things to avoid the work. And people in school, you go read one more book. You and I already read 12 books on the subject. Can you just teach the people what you know from the 12 books? But no, you go read one more book, you go take one more class, you need one more master's. You, you're not even using the master's that you got or the one before that that you started and then you didn't finish, right? But, like, but you need one more. And we have to be careful not to put this misplaced action in what God is actually telling us to do. So let's look at Genesis 26, and then we're almost done. It says, in Genesis 26, it says, There was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, into Gerar. And the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go into Egypt. Dwell in the land where I shall tell of thee. Now I want to stop right there because I want you to know that what's happened here, it tells us that there was another famine. And the famine was the famine of Abraham, which was his father. And so I'm sure that Abraham had talked to him about what to do in a famine because he had told him what he did in a famine. So then Isaac is following suit based on what he already knows in the natural. When there was a famine before, my father went to Egypt. You know what? It's a famine. I'm going to go to Egypt. But as he's getting ready to go to Egypt, in verse 3, um, in verse 2, it says, And the Lord appeared to him and said, Don't go to Egypt. So the very thing that you know, which is what saved the people before you, your lineage before you, God is now telling you, don't do that. I need you to understand that sometimes God will tell you not to do the thing that he told your mama and them to do. And the thing that he told your mama and them to do set you up to be here to be able to do something other than what he told your mama and them to do. But if you make your decisions based on knowledge that matter then, you're going to miss wisdom that's available now. So he says to him, don't do what's familiar to you. The bigger, 
the word Egypt also represents bondage. And here's the connection that he's making. If you only do what's familiar, you're going to end up in bondage. If you only do what's familiar, if you only do what your mom and them did, what your grandmom and them did, and you have to have the maturity to be able to say, mom and them and grandmom and them did, did the best they could with what they had. And I celebrate every sacrifice they made, but I am not obligated to duplicate everything that they did. Oh, that's good, babe. He said there's no faith in familiarity. Faith requires stepping into a place that you haven't been following a word that you haven't seen before. So then you also have to understand that on a faith journey, sometimes those who know you best are not your best counselors. You want a mic? You want to help? I mean, you're teaching good. So what happens is, is that because we look up to, here's a good example. We are a great example of this. I am naturally an entrepreneur. I can make money selling about anything. I can sell your stuff back to you. My first business when I was a kid, I sold my toys. And then I told them if they left them in my yard, they had to buy them the next day. So I spent a week selling the same toys back to the kids in my neighborhood. I could sell anything. I'm naturally, I'm, I'm, I'm free-spirited. I don't want people telling me I got to be anywhere at 8 o'clock in the morning. I don't even understand why school starts at 8 o'clock. It don't make sense to me. I'm like, everybody would be better served if we didn't start to 9.30. Life would be better for everybody. Pastor Edwin, on the other hand, he really is, he could have been great in the military. If he was in the military, he probably went all the way to the top. Like he a company man, he organized his stuff, he folded his stuff the same way every time. If we go to, a, listen, we go to a hotel, when we get to the hotel, he unpack all his stuff and put it in the drawers. I don't even understand why you would need to do that. We're not here to stay. Just take what you need out of the suitcase when you need it and put it back. He go every time. And then the night before we leave, he go shut down the activity to repack all of that stuff. <laughs> In the morning, I'm going to be scrambling. I'll be like, ooh, let me get my stuff, right? <laughs> it's like, he going to be like, Sean, all you had to do when you saw me put my stuff in the bag, I'll be like, don't judge me. Don't judge me. But my point is that because we're so different in that when there are things about my business sometimes, he's not the person to hash an idea out with. He's the person that's going to make sure that the idea works, but he's not the brainstormer. Because in the brainstorming, he's going to be like, first of all, don't none of this make no sense to me. And I had to learn where to put him on the team so that he could be most beneficial and that I didn't aggravate him and he didn't aggravate me. But I, what I've also learned is that people who don't have a desire to be entrepreneurs, they're not the best people to talk to about entrepreneurial pursuits. Because what they really want to do is help you find a good job. They don't mean no harm, but they want to help you find a good job. I woke up this morning and Edwin had inboxed me a job. <laughs> It was, I just want you to see it. Why does he want me to see it? Because he hopes something sparks on the inside of me that I would just get a job. <laughs> this morning, I woke up 
and it was a job. It was a cool job. It was a success coach for a college, and you got to work remote. I know he went and found all of my stuff. I was like, here's the problem with that job. It comes with a W-2. I don't want a W-2. I want 1099s. That doesn't mean he doesn't play a role on my team. It means I got to know where to use him so it's beneficial, right? I'm probably never the person that he should talk to if he want to quit his job. I'd be like, quit. We going to make it. In fact, sometimes I'm driving him to the airport. I'm like, want to quit? Do you want to quit? We'll make it. He like, no, that's not my plan. Do you see what I'm saying? So even people who are in covenant can't always depend and so some of you holding yourself back because your best friend don't get it you're holding yourself back because your mom and them don't get it you're holding yourself back because your spouse don't get it but people who are not wired like you rarely get what God is telling you to do no really y'all should clap that was good that was way better that was that was that was no that was good that was good that was good Oh, I hope y'all not recording this. All right. So he says, stay in this land and I will be with you and bless you and bless you for unto thee and unto thy seed I have given you this country and I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham your father and I will make thy seed multiply and thy stars of the heavens and will give you all the seed of these countries and the seed of the nations and of the earth be blessed because that Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge my commandments my statutes and my laws hold on because I want to say this this is important because sometimes what happens when we break free and we get a new revelation right then we judge the people because they're not living where we're living. But the Bible says that you even got set up for this because Abraham obeyed my voice. So just because Edwin didn't quit his job and start a business doesn't mean that what God told him is lesser. In fact, it's probably his obedience that allows me to do what it is that I do. So we want to make sure as we're going level to level and faith to faith, right, that even though he may not be the person that I can talk to in the creative stage, I don't discount what he understands about structurally how to run a business and how to make something profitable because I'm able to do what I do because he obeyed God. So for those of you who are stepping into new realms and you're getting ideas that your parents don't understand, you're only even in the position to be able to get those ideas because your parents obey God. You're like, I don't understand why Big Mama worked two jobs because had she not, you never would have went to college. So it's important as we take this journey of best lifing that we don't discredit the people who ran before us who positioned us to live best life. He says, because I'm about to bless you in this land, because Abraham obeyed me in that land. So God is about to bless you in this land. So don't go back to that land, but don't despise the people who sold in that land so you can even stand in this land. Man, that's good right there. He says, look at this. He says, you dwell in the land, I'm telling you. 
you need to understand this as a believer. The Bible says there is multitude and wise counsel. But you also need to understand this. God rarely tells a committee what he's called you to. God rarely tells a committee what he called you to. In fact, to test your faith, God will tell you to do something and then hide it from the people that you value most to see who you value most. God will literally, it's happened with me and him so many times, literally it'll be like a veil come down over what it is I want to do. He'll be like, I can't even see it. But he always says, do whatever the Lord told you to do. Now, let me disclaim this because I know people have different backgrounds. If your dream has anything to do with like stripper poles, that ain't God. Drugs, running women, bank robbing, illegal casinos, any illegal activity, anything to get you federal time. And you need to know that ain't God. That's not what we're talking about. Are you really going to play Cardi B up in here? <laughs> you need to understand that, though. You need to understand that because your best counselor is the Holy Spirit who will bear witness to you that what you have heard is from God. And what God loves to do is to tell a willing heart to do something that hasn't been seen before. You read your Bible and all of that stuff is done. So all of it makes sense to you now. But when God told Noah to build an ark, it had never even rained. It took him 120 years, 125 years to build an ark. Do you know that every day? I just want to say this, especially if it was any black folks around Noah. If it was any black folks, and y'all, and if y'all was in Noah day, y'all done told y'all kids that Noah crazy. So your kids running around Noah talking about, look at that old man building that ark. Don't nobody even know what an ark is. For 125 years, he is building something that will preserve his future that his family don't even understand. Now you look back and read it in three chapters and it makes sense to you. But it was 125 years of being like, did I really hear God? Does this make sense? He ain't gonna give us no preview of rain. He, can you imagine? Noah, what are you building? An ark. For what? For, oh, this gonna mess some of y'all up. And he don't have no written scripture he can go to. He don't have no written scripture and he don't have no blueprint. It's based off a word from the Lord that he got to solidify and sink in and stand in and finally just make a decision. If I'm going to be wrong, I'm going to be wrong, but we're going to build this ark. And they laugh at him for 125 years. Then he gathering animals. And you know, listen, wives. Now you know how Noah's wife felt about this. Now, you seem smart. You done made a lot of good decisions. Except that one time you got drunk in the tent like that. Um, did, you, did you really hear God? Well, I'm going to go with you. Where you go, I go. 
And then the Bible says that door shuts and it starts to rain. And that first drop, and people go, what's that? The thing that Noah had been building for 125 years. There are some things you are building in the basement. There are some things you are building on your computer. There are some things you are building in the office, and they don't make sense right now. But if you keep building, because I want you to know that what Noah did, it did not just preserve him, it preserved a lineage. You look at, look at the Bible. This is what the Bible says. It says, what does Jesus say? He says, y'all always kill the prophets. Prophets are not just people who declare the works of the Lord. Prophets are also people who release the work of the Lord in a dispensation. Facebook, iPhones. Facebook was a prophetic answer to the prayer of pastors all over the world who wanted to be on TV and reach the world and didn't have a million dollars. So God gives a dude an idea, a little group of people an idea because he knows the amount of technology that can roll through that thing so that now preachers who if you just got a camera phone and a free Facebook account, you can reach the whole world even if you ain't got four people in your church. Everything that's prophetic doesn't start with thus said the Lord. A lot of stuff that's prophetic starts with the world would be better if we. The world would be cooler if we. And then you go, well, they're not saved. So let me help you. Truth is not reserved to the church. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is truth. So if anybody asks for truth, even if they don't know Jesus, they can get truth. It is the reason that a doctor who is an atheist can heal a disease because truth is not reserved to the church. Now, you need Jesus to go to heaven, but you don't need Jesus. Oh, this is going to make some of y'all mad. You don't need Jesus to be successful in the earth realm because there are principles in the earth realm that are truth that work for anybody who get involved in them. For example, the Bible says as long as the earth remains, there's you be seed time and harvest, right? That basically means if you put apple seeds into the ground in the right environment, you're going to produce an apple tree. You don't get an apple tree because you're a Christian. You get an apple tree because you put apple seed in the right soil and you produced it. You do not get apple trees because you saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. You get apple trees because you got involved with a principle that would release what God said. And sometimes you are missing your answer because you need, you think everybody got to be the priest to be able to take you where you need to go. But what, what, you come here for Jesus. You go there to get mastery. What did Daniel do? The Bible says Daniel would go, be in classes. The Holy Spirit gave him the advantage. But everything he learned in those classes wasn't in the Bible. All right, let's keep going. Let's keep going. It says, and in verse 6, it says, And Isaac dwelt in Gerar. Right? And Isaac dwelt in Gerar. And then go to verse 12, because that's all I want to cover in this today. 
It says, and he did what? Where? In what land? If you got your Bible, you should circle that. By, beside it, you should write his. He sold in his land. The land the Lord told him to sow in. Some of you are frustrated because you are trying to make money outside of your land. And they told you that because you were smart that you could make money anywhere. Except you keep coming to church singing songs like Oceans. Take me where my trust is without borders. So then the Lord tries to direct you back to the thing that he told you to do. And then you say things like, God, I surrender and my life belongs to you. So then you give God permission to frustrate you in the places that you should not be in in order to get you aligned to the place that you should be in. And then when he tells you to go to the place that you should be in, you circle back to what's comfortable. And then you wonder why you're frustrated. Like, let me parenthetically insert this for free. I just got this down low. Some of you are dating somebody right now that God already told you when your spouse and you already know they're not your spouse. But you hope that if you stick long enough that you go miss that you that you did that you go figure out that you miss God, you didn't, you heard him, not your spouse. But here's the problem, because you keep holding on to somebody in that space that's not your spouse, your spouse can't find you. Okay, well, listen. Somebody just broke up. Somebody just broke up. Somebody just broke up. Somebody just broke up. I felt that strong breakup anointing right there. And the thing is, is that they don't treat you bad. I don't know who this is for. I don't know if this is going to go out. They don't actually treat you bad, that, and that's your confusion. Because they look like they have the characteristics of the person that you want to be with. They're just not the partner God gave you. All right, listen. Okay, all right. So, all right. So, it says, and Isaac sold in that land and in the same year he received what some of you Pastor Emma said pause y'all still thinking if y'all should break up <laughs> y'all don't have to be that way if I'm not talking to you just and if you already married I ain't talking to you <laughs> you picked them work it out you picked them Ain't no arranged marriages in the United States. You went up to that altar at your own free will. Let the Lord do his work. Because everybody who happily married wanted to get divorced at least once. At least once. I mean, for real. Now, everybody won't tell you. Me and Pastor Emma want to tell the truth about that. Everybody can't admit it. But everybody who married, for real, wanted to get, wanted to get divorced at least once and plotted murder at least about three times. About three times. Can I kill him? And get away with it. I know I can kill him, but can I kill him and get away with it? I know he's gonna be in New York this week. Uh. <laughs> that was just for jokes, not true. Okay. It says, Then Isaac sold in that land, and he received in the same year a hundredfold. Some of you are stuck because you've never stuck with the dream even a year. You've never stuck with the dream, even a year. You sold your little pro you po posted about your products three times on Facebook, said didn't nobody want them and quit. Airy. 
Don't worry. I, don't, I only call out people I know we can be cool when it's over with, okay? So you don't even know. You wanted to coach. You wanted to have events. You wanted to teach classes. You wanted to do whatever. And you didn't even hang in there a year. Now, you've been faithful to them television shows every season. You will binge watch to catch up. Team no sleep. You got special groups to be able to talk about what it is that you watch. You go study the blogs to find out. But you won't stick with the dream God gave you for a year. I just want to ask you this. If you gave your dream for a year, what you have given to Netflix, where would you be? If you gave to your dream a year what you've given to arguing on with dumb people on Facebook, where would you be? If you gave your dream a year of your full attention, maybe you too would sow a hundred, reap a hundredfold in a year. But do you know why people binge watch? I'm not judging TV. Everybody got something they love, right? Because it's the fastest way to escape where you are. So if I can't figure out how to build a business, if I can't figure out how to turn this situation around, I can numb it by going and putting myself in an alternative universe. And I can become so consumed with that that now I have a vested interest in a show that's fake. But I don't have a vested interest in the word that God gave me that's real because I have valued the fake to be more high than the real. So, <laughs> so I'm just challenging you. You want a hundredfold harvest? It takes more than running up here dropping a seed. You got to stick to it. You got to build some credibility. Those of you who are out here and you're doing businesses, you got to build some credibility. People want to know you're going to be around. You can't this week be, I'm an expert on this, and next week I'm an expert on that, and four weeks from now I'm an expert on this, and then I join this MLM. Now listen, and if you're doing that, then let me tell you how to help people on social media. You just say, I'm trying to find my path. I'm taking this journey. As soon as I find it, I'll let y'all know. But I'm, right now I'm just trying to find my path. Because people respect the path. What people don't respect is you, you this today. Let me give y'all an example that y'all all can appreciate if you're on social media. You know people who got a new boo that they serious with every month? And they never tell you what happened to the last boo. And they was out and like who they dated for Valentine's Day and who they with. It's about to be St. Patrick's Day and they ain't got the same boo. You're always confused by that. You like, well, what, what happened to John? Where he go? Well, what happened to Kate? What happened, right? So you got to take people, especially if your thing is like stuff, products that people are going to buy from you. You got to take the journey. Let them take the journey with you. So that they're willing to be like, oh, I see her progression. Oh, she did this and she did that. Okay, we got it. So that's all I wanted to say to you today. Because I wanted to tell you how to live your best life. That's food for thought. Pass that one. Can you come take the... Oh, listen.
I don't want you to be in the same place next year. I want to tell you that you might have to apply for 500 jobs. I want to tell you that you might have to start and restart the business 20 times. But if something's in your heart that you can't get away from, don't stop. I'm telling you, I, 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 the one thing about a God-given dream is you can't get away from it. A God-given dream is just like the call to preach. You, he, he said, I ain't, ain't going to say nothing else. And then he says, like fire shut up in my bones. Things that people are born to do, it's, it, it won't let you go. So I just want to challenge you instead of giving your, you want to give up something for Lent? Give up that time wasted and invest in your dream. Spend as much time dissecting how to figure out what you go do next. You know, the last show that I really was into was Scandal. Listen, we had teams on Scandal. We watched Scandal at the same. I taught my kids, don't talk to me from eight to nine unless they was bleeding or dying. I was in the Facebook groups where we dissected what was going to happen for a show that wasn't going to give me a dime. And I remember at some point I thought, I am way too invested in this show and not near enough invested in where I say I want to go. Make the switch. I ain't telling you you can't watch no TV. I'm saying you can't build a business being fully committed to 12 shows. You can't be in a committed relationship with 12 shows and build your dream. 